Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Motor Mouse. We're having a great time this week. This is our second edition. We've got Dale Jarrett, the Hall of Famer, here with us today, plus Nate Ryan, one of the greatest and most talented riders on the circuit. Dale and I just got to dip in a little bit into the well because I realized I don't really know how, how long Nate has been in the sport and how he got here. Uh, and that, I'll be honest, we could spend a whole hour on that. We but could. today... Yeah, let's not. <laughs> today what we're going to do is take your calls. It's super simple. All you got to do is dial in one eight four four nascar nbc We're going to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on in the sport, some of the stuff that we're looking forward to uh, coming up. But Dale, we've been a few days removed uh, from our motor mounts on Monday where our friend Kyle Petty was here. And I liked it when I get to see you and you talk about stuff and go, man, you know what I really wish I could have said? Has uh-huh. there been anything that you want to just get off your chest since Monday's show that you've been thinking about? Oh, well, I've been, because it's been the topic of conversation wherever I've been this week, everybody, you know, wanted to know, you know who was wrong, who was right, you know, should they have parked Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, for, for what he was doing to Ross, you know, should they have parked Ross for hitting Denny Hamlin? And, yeah, it's just, there's so many layers to it. But, you know, I, I think that anytime anyone new comes into the sport and is maybe considered a little over-aggressive, um, I won't say into the sport, but moves to a different level. And now Ross is in the, the cup side of it. And he's running up front. And so he's ruffling some feathers by the way that he goes about things. And, but there's nothing wrong with what Ross Chastain is doing. That, are there things he needs to clean up that will benefit him in trying to win a championship? Absolutely. But driving hard and sometimes moving people out of the way has been a part of this sport since even before my dad started. So I've seen this all my life. And um, yeah, I, I think that we, we, you can't say what Ross did in either case was wrong. He was racing hard, but that gets some people mad. Um, you know, I, I think if, I, if there's something that I left out the other day on Monday, I would have said that I understand Denny getting mad. I understand making your point, but I think you move, make your point move on. But then after I thought about it, the thing that got to me more about what Denny did was when he got mad at um, Ricky Stenhouse, I believe. Right. For wrecking the yeah. car that he owns. Yeah. You can't, I'm sorry, he, <laughs> when you're racing, you have to put that owner side aside. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you're yeah. race, you're driving right then. And you, hell, he's going to be mad at everybody here I mean, in these races if they're not careful. That, that's a great point, DJ. And now I think about it, you know, this vow of retribution from Denny that, like, hey, this is not over. Like, Ross is going to feel my wrath at some mm-hmm. point this year. When you think about him saying that through the lens of, 
Okay, he owns cars now. Like, shouldn't he have a little bit of a different perspective that, like, he understands that somebody has to put the bill? Yes, it's great that drivers can self-police and do their thing here mm-hmm. and, you know, get their revenge as they see fit. But at the same time, someone ultimately pays the cost, and he does in a way. So it's, it's somewhat surprising to think of it from that perspective. It's a great point you raised. It's like, he's not only driver now, he's team owner. And, I don't know, maybe upon reflection, he'll, he'll think on that a little bit more. It's, I mean, it's a tough moment because let's be honest, yeah. you're not, you're not in a crowded bar and someone swung at your friend. Yeah. Like this isn't, I'm not just going to back up my friend for no regard. This yeah. is, this is in a race that points count for you two, where you finish matters to all these people. It's crazy that in that space, he was so mad still from what had happened on lap one and then lap six, all those other things that he was like, Hey man. Don't mess with my guy. Yeah. That still cracks me up. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm thinking, and, and Denny's always been what I consider a pretty smart racer, but and a lot of guys that are, I will call veterans, that, that's who, when you race around the same people for a long time and then someone new comes in, um, the first thing, because I can remember a lot of people talking about the way that Mark Martin would race, and Mark's one of the greatest to ever do this, but when Mark's car wasn't the best and somebody caught him, I mean, he literally just pulled over and let you go for that spot. He wasn't going to do that five laps to go in a race. But this, we're talking about what happened between Denny and Ross at lap 60, I believe it was. My question would be to Denny, and, and I think the world of Denny Hammond. I, you know, I hope he wins that championship that he has not because he's done everything else in this sport. But why were you racing Ross so hard at lap 60 in, yeah. in, in that case? He said that. Yeah. Ross had tried a few times. Why not let him go at that point and you don't put yourself in position with the guy that we already know drives that car very hard every single lap, which is not wrong. Yeah. And Ross isn't doing anything wrong until his owner and his sponsors telling him that. And I can't imagine they're going to do that. Right. So I just yeah. wonder why Denny was running that hard. A great question. And I love that we're still, I mean, obviously we've had a lot to talk about this week. Uh, one of the other things we've been talking about this week is the possibility that our friend Martin Truex Jr. might be hanging it up. And we thought, you know, it's a great opportunity to talk a little bit about the 19. Why don't we bring in his crew chief, James Small, of the 19 Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. James, thanks so much for joining us. First off, man, I know it's been exciting to to be in this space, to be a crew chief uh, for such a driver that so many people love. What has it been like for you being the crew chief with Martin Truex Jr.? Uh, It's a dream. He's uh, one of the best drivers to work for. completely stress-free he's not a drama queen like some of the other guys here and uh yeah <laughs> lucky to have been able to work with him for so long and uh, hopefully it continues next year so in that so you talk about next year how about the way things have gone with this new car uh you obviously uh, have a winning combination between the two of you uh, but you don't have that win at this point not saying you haven't run well uh but are there things and what would that be that you need to to give to Martin, but to, to get that win here, uh, to secure that spot. Uh, because, you know, ever how you look at it, we can talk all day about are there enough winners out there to, to fill up 16 spots or whatnot. Uh, what do you have to do uh, to, to get that win secured here soon? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, when we've had good cars, we haven't executed properly. Um, you know, we've made mistakes on track. We've made mistakes on pit road. You know, you know I've made mistakes. It's just... We haven't had clean races. We've had fast cars uh, and um, probably not as fast as we'd like, but I think we've learned a lot and uh, what Martin needs from the car and 
you know, it's just trying to have a clean race. You have to be perfect to win one of these races these days, and, and we haven't done that yet. So uh, that's what we're aiming to do, and hopefully it comes this weekend. James, you mentioned you, you hope this continues next year with Martin Truex Jr., and that's been one of the storylines going into Gateway and coming out of Gateway. He was asked before Gateway if he knows what he's doing next year, and Martin said, I don't know. He, he, I, I, I'm still wrestling with it. He seems a little bit conflicted. I know Monday he also said that, um, you know, he's very committed to this year. He's 100% committed, but he's still trying to figure out next year. Any insight from your perspective? Do, do you get to have any influence? I'm sure you would love to have him back for 2023. Um, What's your take on what Martin's working through there, and do you have any influence on it? Me? Probably not. You know, we've, uh, we spent a lot of time together when we tested at Watkins Glen and, uh, you know, spoke about, you know, a lot of the things that he's feeling and, uh, you know, his concerns with the car and, uh, you know, some of the things with the sport. And, you know, he... He might be quiet and whatever and, you know, a nice guy, but deep down he is, you know, one passionate racer. He cares more than everybody. Um, and it's hard for him when, you know, it's not going his way and, you know, there's other things outside of racing. And uh, But deep down I, I think he'll come back. I really hope so. I think, um, you know, I think this is a great learning year with the car and to go into next year and how our team operates and everything with a solid base, I feel like uh, – you know, he'd be he'll be leaving something on the table with a, you know another shot of the championship and some race wins. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed he comes back. An exciting weekend for Sonoma. It sounds like your engineer had already had plans. Cole Pern is coming back to uh, to help you guys out this weekend. And it's funny, Martin's had so much international success with a Canadian crew chief and an Australian <laughs> crew chief. But can you guys kind of put it all together? Can we make like a Pangea of NASCAR <laughs> motorsports and get that win this weekend? Uh, let's hope so. It, it kind of worked for us in 2018 and 2019 there, but uh, yeah, no, it'd be cool to see Cole. And uh, he was talking about coming to a race, and he's like, oh, I might come to Charlotte or I might come to Sonoma. And I'm like, damn, just come to Sonoma. I'm, I need someone to come and help me because uh, I'll be a Lone Ranger that weekend. So, uh, you know, it kind of worked out perfectly. And, uh, you know, just be have, you know, great to have somebody there to, you know, talk you know, that's intelligent as well and talk through strategy and things like that. So uh, since it's an interesting race there. So, uh, yeah, be great to see. That's so cool, man. You know, a lot of people, I think, at home wonder, you know, kind of how you first came to NASCAR. And I know it was really your dad's influence and with uh, with stock cars coming to Australia. But there's a there's a go-kart movie on Netflix called Go-Karts about racing in Australia. Was that at all uh, a, have you seen that? B, is that something that kind of resonates with you as far as <laughs> racing in Australia and how it kind of translates over? I, I have honestly not seen it. I need to go home and look this up. So I have no clue what you're talking about, but it sounds interesting. It's a, it's a great <laughs> one. My girls love it because the one thing that came across was that instead of someone saying don't talk back, they say no back chat, oh. which I assume is an Australian phrase. <laughs> no back chat. I don't know if that worked, but was was really was it your dad's influence and his love of racing that ultimately kind of started you down that path that brought you to the Cup Series? Yeah, definitely. You know, I grew up from day zero. That's all I did. I went to a shop, went to the racetrack. Um, you know, and it's my whole life and all I wanted to do. And you know, I, I raced BMX for a little bit, and then you know, my mom finally let me get in a go kart, and uh, you know, I did that forever. And um, you know, unfortunately, the racing thing didn't pan out for me, but I've been, you know, you know, lucky enough to end up over here in a great job and, you know, working with great people. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for more. 
Hey, James, heading into Sonoma, obviously the, the 19 team and Martin Truex Jr. have a great history there. I know uh, Truex uh, won there 2018, 2019, both Furniture Row and Joe Gibbs Racing. But I was reading some quotes from Martin Truex Jr., and he said that, uh, you know, huge question mark for everyone with the new car, uh, new tires, you know, five gears instead of four, different brakes. So how are you approaching this weekend? Because I'm sure it's not just a matter of, hey, we can slap in what we've had a lot of success there with Martin in the past. There's a little bit of unknown there with the, the uh, next gen. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Completely unknown, really. Um, you know, we went. You know, all of us across the six Toyotas had completely different approaches at uh, Coda, and uh, you know, we all kind of suck somewhat. And uh, I think we've learned a lot since then. Uh, we had a really good test at Watkins Glen the other week, although it's you know rather different and. Um, but I think even at some of the, you know, the short tracks, we've learned, you know, stuff about what this car likes and, you know, how you got to control it and things like that. And all of that, I think, is going to translate across. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we've made the right guesses come Sunday and, uh, you know, we can give him the car he needs because, as you know, he's, he's amazing around there and it's up to us to deliver. So, fingers crossed. James, we're going to go to the phone and take a uh, question from a fan at home for you. It looks like our buddy NASCAR's on the line. NASCAR, go ahead, bud. Hey, James, thanks for taking my call. So we have talked to a lot of drivers this year to find out what it's like for them driving this new car. But I'm curious from a crew chief standpoint, you guys are. What's been your biggest challenges as far as setups? We've seen you guys ride the edge with this camber. What's been some of the biggest challenges for you as a crew chief with this new car and how you approach setups and and such and such? Yeah, I think uh, as you've seen, it's just the uh, wheel of death with tires, you know, and and trying to find that limit, uh, you know, on camber and air pressure and and load and you know, nothing comes for free. So. Uh, you know, you're sitting on that seat in the race, just counting down the laps till you'll maybe have a problem. So that's been a challenge, and it's just a very different car, and you know, uh, the way it reacts, and and now with the diffuser, it's just, you know, we used to be so worried about splitter height and control, and now it's kind of all based at the other end of the car, and uh, you know, it's completely flipped upside down, really. So um, yeah, every week we're learning, and and it's a challenge, and uh, I think you know the whole garage is is getting on top of it but i think you're seeing the that the better teams and drivers are generally starting to you know come to the front again so yeah so james you've got a new car and a lot of things as you pointed out out there that you don't know so you've got one road race under your belt here and strategy has always been something that everybody talked about for a long time but, but then everybody kind of figured things out do you th- see anything at this track with this particular car that you might possibly be able to do a little different uh, than, than what you've done there the last few years? Uh, quite possibly. Uh, I think, you know, the last stage is, is a little different. Uh, it's a little, it sets up to be a little interesting. We have to get there and kind of, you know, it's like all these races. We're going in, you know, with a, an assumption of what the fall off will be. Um, we've only got five sets of tires. And, uh, you know, I think you saw a little different last year. A lot of people raced to the stages and got stage points and were able to drive back through. But uh, it might not be as easy now. There's more competitive cars. It's closer. And, um, you know, if the fall-off's bad, then I think, you know, you could see some quite differing strategies in the last stage between one and two stops. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll set up to be an interesting race, hopefully. (laughs) 
Yeah, following up on that, James, uh, 2018 obviously was brilliant strategy by Cole, and I'm sure you might have been involved with that. The whole team was involved with that, uh, outsmarting the, the Harvick-Rodney Childers call by, by bringing in Truex on exactly the right lap. Uh, is it going to be nice to have Cole there, knowing that st- strategy-wise, I know he's strong, and you guys really seem to work seamlessly together. Is that maybe another advantage to having him there for the race? Yeah, definitely. That's that's why I asked him to come. You know, it worked really well for us, you know, in 2018 with how we did that. And then again in 2019, you know, being aggressive on the short pit against Kyle and, and being able to hold him off for that race. So, um, you know, we've had, you know, two very different races and did call it two different ways. And, uh, yeah, it'll just be good and have someone they can watch. And, uh, you know, it's always easier when you've got people there, you know, who you rely on and can trust to... Uh, you know, just talk things over with. So looking forward to it. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Chandler who's got a question for you, James. Go ahead, Chandler. Thanks, Rut. And hello, James. And I got to tell you, man, you know, when I see you at every race with Mario, when I hear you, you're from Australia, the only two things I think of are both NXS and ACDC, man. And you are incredible. (laughs) I'll have to be honest with you on that one. Um, But, James, you know, you and Martin have been so successful, you know, a lot of different short tracks like Richmond and Martinsville, and you won both those those tracks. But there's one track that you guys haven't won, and that's the Magic Mile, New Hampshire. So looking at this year, and if this is Martin's last year with you, can you and Martin get a win at New Hampshire later this year? Yeah, that's one we've got circled. You know, he loves that place. Uh, you know, he's been fast there, you know, in the old car a lot of times. And uh, just, you know, things have kind of gone wrong. So uh, same thing last year when we ran in second and it started raining and we ended up in the fence. So, uh, you know, I think we've learned a lot on the short tracks. And, and even, like, since Phoenix, we were, we were bad there as a company. And since then, I, I feel like we've gotten a lot better. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, if it all goes right, we can definitely come away with a win. James, you mentioned kind of your racing background and sort of where you come from. We know how many of the drivers lean on iRacing and some of the simulators to really get their setups. Have you played around with any of those at all to help yourself understand some of those different feels? And, and does that translate over to the car? Is that something that you like to do? Oh, to be honest, no. I, I kind of stay away from all of that. Uh, you know, <laughs> you think I would do it given, uh, given that I grew up racing and, and, and race cars and everything. But um you know, we, we recently got something here uh, that I could go and mess around with, but it's just trying to find the time, and uh, I think it would be advantageous, and uh, I do plan on doing it here soon. That's cool. All right, last question before we go, because you mentioned your BMX background. Uh, BMX Bandits or Rad, what's the better movie? <laughs> oh, definitely Rad. Rad, no doubt. That, guy's, I, that was a trick question, Dale, because the only great movie about BMX yeah, of all time. Rad is rad with rad racing crew job the whole team were you more of like a crew jones you more of a bart connor uh i don't know if i was either to be honest so i was just little and uh and, and kind of chubby so it <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me man hey we appreciate you so much good luck this weekend uh we're certainly all pulling for not only you guys but for yeah. martin to stick around and you for guys sure. uh, to keep winning some races in a championship hopefully too buddy no worries. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for joining me. Isn't that fun? Love it. Great questions, too, coming in from people at home. You guys can join us, too. one 844 
NASCAR NBC. When we come back, we've got a driver with us who is out there this weekend at Worldwide Technologies International Speedway, not Prestige Worldwide. That was an apology I heard from last weekend. <laughs> we will see you in just a minute. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You know, I didn't help him. He didn't help me. And then we go to meetings. Hey, Rusty, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Man, how are you doing? You know, and then, uh, you know, Rusty and I were bickering and this, that, and the other. So, so everybody kind of knew something was going to happen between us, So with you know? the bickering going on between you and Rusty, you knew that your days were numbered. Yeah, pretty much. At Penske's. Rusty came to me one day, I think in 98, and he said, um, at Pocono, and he said, the 12 car is to do nothing but help the two car win a championship. You know, and I started this deal, and I made this, created this deal, and I can end this deal. That's what he told me. And I and I'm leading the points. We were first, we we're first in the points, and he's telling me this, and he's like fifth. Yeah, so we, you know, we, that's just the way it was, you know. Wow, it's pretty pretty crazy. Two parter on that one. Uh, big thanks to Dale Jr. Download, uh, boy. We are still talking about the insanity and some of the stuff we saw. This past weekend, it really started a lot of conversations about aggression and driving. Rusty Wallace, of course, mentioned there in the Dale Jr. download. Now, Rusty was not a, a, a person who avoided all aggression, it seems like, at times. But certainly when you see the amount of people that spoke out this week when they saw the driving style of Ross Chastain, you know, anytime really we see someone that's aggressive on the track, the first name they reach for is Dale Earnhardt Sr. So Dale is a guy who who not only raced with him, spent time with him, beat him, was beat by him, all of those things that you look at in a racing thing. Number one is is truly is that the mark of, of excellence as far as aggressive driving goes? And is it fair when anyone is seen as aggressive to reach for Dale Sr.'s name? What was it like hmm. to race with him? Well, let me say this. I, it, it is, I think it is fair for that comparison, but no one will ever get to that level in so many different ways of – the ability to drive a car, to do the things that he did. Um, you know, there, there's just no way. But the comparison, I understand how you get to that because that's the name. That's what everybody thinks of. You know, I can't say that I don't sometimes, you know, but but Ross or no, uh, no one else has ever reached the level that Dell Earnhardt did to win his seven championships. That's the way that he went about things. And that's just who he was, and he never deviated from that. We haven't seen anyone else that we talk about their aggressive style of driving that has ever come close to continue. They don't come close to continuing it for a year, much less a whole career. And that's <laughs> yeah. what he was yeah. about, yeah. you know. Yeah. Somebody gets that. And now I think drivers too much, and, and, and I'm not telling the fans not to voice their opinion, but you know, you, once you read so much and everything is out there, now that would have not stopped Bell Sr., Twitter or anything else wouldn't have affected him. First off, he wouldn't have been on it or anything about it. Uh, and he'd be telling Dale Jr. to stay off there, which yep. is not going to happen. Right. That's part of Dale Jr.'s <laughs> life now. But that was Dale Earnhardt. So comparisons are always going to start there. You're never going to measure up. But 
aggressive driving has been a part of this sport since it began. And it's, you know, everybody goes about it. I went about things differently than what Dale Sr. went about. I, I didn't have his ability to, to race and do what he did. But that's who he was. And, you know, he could be your best friend, but he would tell you and told me before that, hey, when we get on that racetrack, you know, we're there for the same thing. I want to win, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And you do the same thing to what to the level that you feel like you need to. And I swear, guys, I've said this before, that there were times that, you know, when he knocked me out of the way, a couple of times I, I wrecked. Um, and, you know, I'd go to him, and before the conversation was over, hell, I thought it was my fault that he had wrecked me. <laughs> and that's just the way he could turn things around like that. But it's, but it's, it's more about his driving style, what he did, and, and the abilities and the, the talent that he had to put himself in that position. But he never, ever, ever backed down from anybody else. Not one time. So and he's I've not never a, seen anybody else like that. He's not a driver you ever heard say something like, yeah, I owe them a big apology or I owe an apology to half the field. That was not in his vernacular. I'm not sure he knew that word. <laughs> I, I, I borrowed that from Nate's I, podcast. I don't, I don't know vernacular. I don't, I don't think he knew. No, he wasn't about that. He might say... You know, I, I got in there a little harder, or you slowed up a little more than what you did the, the lap before. Never, I never was. I need to apologize to you for that. Not, not at any time. Don't know of any driver that he well, ever I, did that. I, I love that I he has that. this Jedi mind trick ability, or had that ability to say, "Hey, it was it was your rear bumper that shouldn't have been on my front bumper. That's right. It was yeah. your fault that yeah. like I made contact with you that way." And I think, and that's what's interesting to me, DJ, is just that. I've heard that I hear those comparisons a lot, and I think we heard him with Logano as well mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. That hey, he races like Earnhardt, you know, takes no quarter uh, when he's on the racetrack. And I think Chastain is similar, like the level of aggression, uh, especially with Ross. Like it doesn't matter if it's for first or for fifteenth, he's always going to race you the same way. But the way he handled it afterward. And the way he just had that proactive apology to not just Denny and Chase, but I got to go every garage stall here at this point (laughs) right now at Gateway and try to find as many drivers I can apologize to as possible. It's just so much the antithesis of what we saw from Earnhardt. And that's where I think the comparison obviously doesn't work at all. And I don't know if there'll ever be another person like that from that perspective, really. Don't think so. The irony of it is the same driving style that made us talk about Ross all week is in fact the same driving style that got Ross a shot in the Cup Series. Yeah. Correct? Sure. So it's funny that that there is this feeling like, oh, he's doing something so different. Yeah. Meanwhile, as a team owner, you'd be going, no, that's well, the guy. That was KP's point on the podcast, and you know, we heard Justin Mark say it as well that yeah. Ross Chastain has nothing to apologize for, yeah. and that was KP's point was like, hey, if if I was Ross Chastain's team owner, I'd be giving him the same advice because we already know he's not Martin Truex Jr. He's not. A, a clean racer who can just suddenly change midstream and say, oh, I'm going to go from knocking guys out of the way and racing hard for every position to, ah, I'll, I'll just race people clean. No, that's that's what got him here. And yep. if he's going to become a champion, that's the way he has to race, right? And he's racing against people now that have, a, and, and this is happening with people that have established themselves in the sport for a long period of time. So this is someone new. And, and I think these the drivers... Take that a little bit personally. When you when you made your mark there, you expect to be treated a little bit different. Ross, that's another car to him. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know he understands who he's racing, but I'm telling what, as I pointed out a while ago, why was Denny racing so hard 60 laps into the race? You have to know who, 
Part of driving and being successful is knowing who you're racing all the time. I used to go, when things started changing in the sport a lot, and this has nothing to do with aggressive driving, but it has to do with understanding everything that it takes to win races and win championship, and that's knowing everything that's going on. When, when different sponsors started coming in and different drivers, I would go each week, walk up and down, and see the hoods. That's when you could actually see out of the rear window of the cars. <laughs> and who, I wanted to know who was behind me. I didn't need my spotter. I wanted to know who that was coming. And that way I knew how they were going to race and how I was going to race them because that was different for everybody. And so wow. I, I don't think that sometimes now drivers understand. This is who Ross is. Don't be surprised right. if he comes and hits right. your rear bumper. Uh, you know, he's going to give it everything. And a lot of drivers have had to do this because coming up through. And Dell Earnhardt didn't always have the best equipment when he first started. He was winning championships at first in cars that weren't really championship caliber. And that just shows his talent. So he had to do things to get his way there. And that was his way with that driving style. And I don't think, I hope Ross isn't going to change a whole lot. There are things, if he's going to win a championship, that he's going to have to do a little bit and think about a little bit better. But not changing his driving style uh, just because people are out there saying, you know, that's wrong. And, and maybe the gap that we're missing is maybe Ross decided that was the kind of driving style, the person he was going to model himself after when you started to move up and you started to get those opportunities did you think to yourself i'm going to mimic a certain driver's style and this is going to be how people see the way dale jarrett races uh no i, n I never did you know I, I think that i learned from everybody that i raced around and against and, and you know you grow up on short tracks racing against Tommy Houston and Jack Ingram and Sam Ard and, and Tommy Ellis. And, and each of those guys were going about it in different ways. But they were all hard racers. They just went about it in different ways. So you learned and took that. And, of course, I'd watch my dad race and, and do things differently than other drivers that he raced against uh, that, that went about it. Junior Johnson raced totally different than Ned Jarrett did. Uh, but you know, they both were able to win a lot of races. As a matter of fact, I think they won the same amount. Uh, so uh, uh, you, you can do this in different ways. So I didn't ever think that. Uh, first off, I didn't have a, the talent of a Dell Earnhardt and stuff like that. So you have to be talented to do the things to even get yourself in that position sometimes. So uh, I just wanted to, I, I didn't think about that part of it. And I'm not, I think Ross just goes, and that's who we're talking about now. He just goes to drive that car as hard as he can every single lap. And there's nothing wrong with that. And occasionally you're going to make a mistake. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that is, it's funny. That's also what Ryan Newman said his entire career was that you pay me to race as hard as I can every single lap. And people understood and accepted that about him. Yeah. Right? Like he's not yeah. going to just let you go by, mm -hmm. yeah. but yet someone else does it and we seem to have a problem with hey, it. Hey, I'll let you talk. Hey, I'm talking too much. But <laughs> I, I don't think that Ross Chastain drove into turn one on that particular lap and thought, I'm going to run in the back of Denny right here. Right, right. I right. think he just got in there. He was carrying a lot of speed. Could Denny have slowed up a little bit more than he had before and he just misjudged that? I don't think there was anything intentional. But what you better figure out if you're racing with and against him is that he's going to drive hard. So you either better make your car better, you better drive a better lap, or you better decide, okay, I'm going to let him go at this point in time in the race. Yeah, another great point I thought KP made on the podcast as well was that maybe Denny should go back and look at Martinsville 2017 and realize, you know, sort of what he was so mad at Chastain about was what he had essentially, what Hamlin essentially done to Chase Elliott in that race. And I think it is interesting, DJ. I mean, obviously, I've never raced a car, so I don't have the perspective that you do, but it does seem like 
that is something that drivers weigh constantly of, you know, how angry should I be at somebody for them bumping yeah. the other way? Because I know I've done it before and yeah. I know I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And I wonder if that, that, again, like going back to the team owner discussion with Denny, knowing that he's viewing things maybe in a different way than ever before, I would think that this week there will be some reflection and maybe understanding of like, hey, yeah. you know, maybe I was a little bit overboard. And I'm not saying that I say money and I'm not saying it now. I, I don't blame Denny Hamlin for being mad. You're yeah. always no, mad for getting not, no. knocked out of the way, and especially when it takes away your – not saying you shouldn't be mad about that yeah. whatsoever. Be more cognizant of who you're racing at and what time of the race is it uh, that might not put you in that position. But you, you, if you hadn't figured out by now that this guy races hard all the time and he's something to watch. <laughs> you, and I'll say it's a different time. You know, These guys have to go hard now. This, the competition is an unbelievable level right now. Absolutely. So you better be on your game. 100%. We're going to the phone. Shelby is on the line. Shelby, thanks for joining us here on Motor Mouths. Uh, so what's on your mind today? Um, the question y'all posted on Twitter um, about the if you could choose a race car team and which driver would you want to be your personality, I chose, obviously, the 2020 Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott. He's got seven road course wins and um, hopefully an eight this week. Um, and so what, is it about, what is it about Chase for you that if you were a team owner, why is it that you would want someone to drive like Chase to be your driver? Chase has this, you know, old school racing demeanor that his father, Bill Elliott, you know, showed him growing up, you know, the low passes or, you know, going up high for the passes or, you know, even going, you know, from the rear to the front, you know, passing cars really good and without any problems or caution. But there have yeah, been a few certainly... problems with the tires of this car that I'm concerned about. Fair enough. All right, so look, that sounds like a real team owner right there. Yeah. <laughs> we went from a pivot, Shelby, well done, from this is my driver, but I'm also concerned about these tires. But, uh, Shelby, we appreciate you calling in, weighing in. I mean, Chase would be a great one, right? I mean, if you're looking 100%. for personalities, yeah. he's got the fight, but he also has that knowledge of, you know, I can't lose this now because I'm mad. i got to find that level, shake it off. We saw it at the Roval. I was one of the best ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gather it back up. Let's remember yep. while we're here. Hey, speaking <laughs> of that, when we come back, we've got another driver joining us. Michael McDowell joins us here on Motor Mouths right after this. Stay with us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Baptista is through! Alfred Baptista wins it in the run down to the line!
McDowell assumes the race lead. This is only the second race he has led this season. How about the 37-year-old driver from Glendale, Arizona, Michael McDowell? He took over the lead by not pitting. He's held the lead by being a fast race car. He's been fast all season long. He's had five top ten finishes this year, and that's tied for the most he's ever had in his NASCAR Cup Series career. So race after race, Michael McDowell and that front row motorsports team have been fast. And we welcome now the driver of that number 34, Michael McDowell. Michael, thanks for joining us, buddy. Man, what a great run for you all this past weekend in St. Louis. Leading the same number of laps, I believe, as your car number 34. Man, tell us <laughs> about the weekend for you. How good did it feel to be up front to lead those laps? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, um, Friday afternoon, we were all scratching our heads because we didn't feel like we were very good in practice. I think we were around 30th, but uh, Blake Harris and all the boys, you know, with that 50-minute practice, um, we were able to change some things overnight and, and get ready for Saturday and qualified well, uh, ran really well in the race. And then, you know, just working the strategy, you know, we took two tires and then we were able to stay out that following caution. And and get the lead and yeah it's definitely fun racing my buddy eric there and um you know for me it was 34 qualifying laps i was um giving it everything i had to make sure i wasn't going to give up that lead you know and i was trying to win that stage but you know unfortunately caution came out there with about 10 to go and you know strategy wise it, it wasn't the best to stay out that would put us too far back you know so we had to pit there and um, you know, give up the lead, but it was fun while it lasted. You know, we, we've been doing really well here lately. We've had some fast race cars. We're making big gains. Um, and so there's a lot to look forward to for us and not the finish we'd hoped for, but we definitely have had a lot of speed and, and been clicking them off here of late. So hopefully we can keep that rolling. Yeah. Even though gateway wasn't the finish you wanted, Michael, you let, like you said, led 34 laps. And prior to that four top tens in the past five races, uh, I know it's your first year with crew chief Blake Harris. Do you feel like maybe the team has turned a corner here in the last six weeks or so? Yeah, I do. You know, I think that we, we have great people at front row. And with this next-gen car, I feel like it's brought us a little bit closer to the top teams. Um, but just like every team in the, in the Cup Series right now, there's a lot to learn with this new car. And so we are just now sort of getting, you know, on our feet and figuring out exactly what we need week in, week out. The short tracks have been sort of our um, our weak spot. So we tried something different this weekend and felt like we made good gains. And, and hopefully that'll apply for the rest of the races that we have coming up, the short tracks in particular. So mile and a half program's been really good. You know, Charlotte was strong, Texas was strong, Kansas was strong. So we just keep plugging away at it and we'll see what happens. You know, we're getting closer and closer to that shiny end of the grid where where you need to be to put yourself in position to win. And, and that's really what the focus is. You know, we got um, a few more weeks here to uh, try to get in these playoffs. And so we got to make them count. So, Michael, that's where I was going with my question was with the success that you've been having and, and looks like it keeps getting better. You have to be pretty excited with the road courses coming. Uh, you've got Daytona at the end uh, before the playoff start as an opportunity. And, you know, obviously, uh, as a Daytona 500 champion, you know how to get it done there. You have to be pretty excited about the prospects uh, that you can make your way into the playoffs with a win. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, these next three or four weeks are going to be really important for us. You know, Sonoma is a, a great opportunity to put ourselves in position to win. Um, you know, Kodo this year with the next-gen car, we sort of missed it, but now we have an idea of, 
of what this new chassis and what this new car is going to take and what it's going to need setup wise. Um, but then you got Nashville and then right after that Road America. And so, you know, there's a couple of really good tracks for us coming up. Um, I'm hopeful that we can get it done before we get to Daytona and you have a, a one last chance at getting it done because there's going to be so many guys in that position and, and it's really tough to win at Daytona, especially with, you know, everything that's on the line with the playoffs. But, um, you know, you definitely can't count it out. And, and we've been making gains in the points. I don't think you're going to be able to point your way into it, but we're getting closer to it. And uh, hopefully we can um, close the gap here over the next few weeks. Michael, we love asking questions to you, but we got to share that love. We're going to the phones. Our buddy Marvin Blue is on the line. He's got a question for you. Marvin, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Rutledge. It's good to be back, and it's great to have you back on the show. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good. I got a little sick over the weekend, but uh, that's nothing hindering me from this question for you. We're heading into Sonoma, and after a 13th-place finish at Coda, what are you looking forward to accomplishing this time around at uh, Wine Country? Yeah, you know, it's been a tough place for me. It's one of my favorite road courses. Um, I was watching an interview that, that A.J. Allmendinger did here recently, and I saw some stats, and it was like seventh place was, you know, his, his best finish there. And, um, and so I started just thinking about that, of like, you know, guys that run good at road courses sometimes struggle at Sonoma. And, and so this week I've been studying a little bit different, been watching those guys that run really well at those places like Martin Truex. And, and it seems like the guys that can serve their tires and take care of their equipment do really well there. Um, but this next gen car has kind of lend its hand to driving hard and, and really pushing it lap after lap. So uh, Sonoma is going to be a new challenge, looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, last year we were in a great spot to get a top 10 and, and threw it all away on the last lap. So you definitely um, learn from that, and hopefully we will uh, uh, not make that same mistake again. Man, that was a great question. M Michael, I think one of those things that I love most about watching you in this sport is that you have this sort of line of constant digging, constant improvement, and, and really you've surprised a lot of people over the years at kind of showing them that no matter what equipment you're in, you show how good you are, whether it's winning the 500, whether it's your road course performances wins, it's all of those things, but you've also done this masterful job of kind of finding that perfect family and work balance. So I wonder when, when kids ask you about racing and what it's like to actually be in there, you know, how do you kind of put all of your experiences into a blender and hand someone, you know, this answer of like, well, this is kind of what it's like, because for you, it's been really unique the whole time. It's definitely been unique. It's been a challenge and there's been a lot of, you know, grinding it out. And, um, you know, the one thing that I feel like for me that's helped me is just not taking yourself too seriously. And this sport is, you know, such a high intensity and, you know, expectations and performance and all those things. But um, everybody out there gives it everything they have and are pushing as hard as they can. And, um, you know, not to take yourself too seriously when you get home. And, and because, I mean, you guys know, and Dale Jarrett definitely knows, is you can let it ruin your week. You can let a bad race ruin your week, and you can let a streak of bad races, you know, ruin a month. And, and learning how to, you know, still have that fire and be competitive and go for it, but not have it, you know, affect uh, every area of your life where you're just miserable to be around. And, and so it's definitely taken me a lot of years to figure out that balance, um, but not taking myself too seriously, just working hard and, 
you know, one of the things that I feel like is been a part of the success that I've had is um, just being able to get a good group of people around you. And, and, you know, last year we had a lot of momentum and a lot of great things happening. And, you know, unfortunately and, and fortunately, we had a lot of those, those crew members from the 34 move on to, to new opportunities. And, um, you know, we sort of had to start over this year and, and it was tough in the beginning, but, you know, I, I, worked hard at finding the right people with the right attitude and the chemistry and and everybody at front row jerry freeze and bob jenkins you know just uh, allowing us to go out there and and not just go get the best people but get the people that fit our you know our family and and how we we do things at front row and so blake has done a great job uh we got great guys that are behind us and i think it's um you know an opportunity for us to really show what we're capable of with this next gen car and and running top 10 every week, I think it's just a preview of what we can do. I think there's still a lot more to come. No, oh, it's so cool, man. Thank you for joining us. Good luck this weekend, Mike McDowell. You are the man. I still love to see 2021 Daytona 500 winner. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. We have got the mayor coming up. That's right. Jeff Burton is going to join us right after this. We got more motor mouse. Don't forget calling one 844 nbc there he is. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Busy week this weekend, Motorsports. Of course, you got the Dale Jr. download, part two coming at you with Mayfield Monster Jam, Saturday from Detroit at 12 p.m. on CNBC. We've got the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. IndyCar is from Road America this Sunday, and of course, the World Superbike, which is Sunday, 1.30. We got a ton of stuff going on. But now let's take a listen to Martin Truex this weekend in St. Louis. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, just one of those things I gotta, and, and as I, you know, I just gotta figure it all out. And, you know, as I told you, this, this sport is not easy. This is very hard. It takes a lot of effort. Um, it takes a lot of commitment and I've never been one in my life to do anything half-assed and, if I'm going to sign that paper and say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to race again next year. I want to make sure that I'm hundred percent committed because as I told you, 95% does not get anything done. So I'm getting close to figuring out what I'm going to do, but I'm not done yet. And, uh, you know, we'll see what next year brings. Yeah, that was actually from Sirius XM. That's uh, not based in St. Louis. That was my bad. Hey, we're going to welcome in the mayor now, though, Mr. Jeff Burton. Jeff, we've certainly had a busy week. Uh, a lot of people talking about that race out there at Worldwide Technologies Raceway. I want to start with you, with Chastain, the bump. There were so many things. You know, take us through your thoughts on kind of what played out that day. Can you clarify which bump? It was a lot of the <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I, I, you know, DJ has been in this situation before um, where you got a guy that's coming into the cup series and he's really hungry and he's trying to earn his way into the sport. 
and Ross Chastain has gotten everything he's gotten by being aggressive. And you have to find a way to temper that at the appropriate times. I will say that, you know, like that move right there with Denny Hamlin, that's pretty unacceptable. I don't blame Denny Hamlin for being upset. I mean, you just get run into from behind in the middle of the corner, uh, it, 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 it will infuriate you. Um, you know, some of this stuff's just hard racing. I mean, some of it's just, you know, three wide. Like, what are you doing three wide? But he wasn't the only one that was three wide during the week. And then right here, you know, he had a choice, lift or not. Well, Ross Chastain just is in a position where he's going to lift right now. Um, and he's going to have to, he's going to have to accept the consequences of that. What's hard, DJ, is that if he slows down, can he go and have the success that he's had? And that's what Ross Chastain's got to figure out. Um, and I, I will say, and I'm not defending Ross because I thought I thought what he did with with Hamlin's indefensible. But you have to drive these cars. You just heard Michael McDowell say you have to drive these cars so hard to make lap time with them. And the corner entry speed is ridiculously fast. It would be easy to make that mistake of getting in the back of somebody. Easier this year with this car than last year and in the past. But listen, he's gonna he's that's Ross Chastain races hard. He's gonna push some buttons. And people are going to decide to put up with it or not. I will say this. The post-race apology just went too far. Like, it, to me, it went so far <laughs> as it got to the point where it wasn't believable, right? Like, you know, at yeah. some point, you know, you got to just say, hey, I messed up. I got to go make it right and move on. And uh, I think Ross trying to do the right thing. I really do. Uh, he's just got to find a way to temper the aggression, aggression uh, with a little more respect. Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. I'm fully expecting uh, apologies from Ross Chastain to DJ and, and you as well. Um, so w- where does NASCAR step in on this? Because we're like in year 13 of the boys have added there and a lot of discussion about, you know, self-policing. D- does NASCAR have a role to play here of maybe sitting down with Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott? You know, I thought NASCAR could have gotten involved a little bit sooner with Matt Kenseth, and and you could feel that thing building. I wish that NASCAR would have grabbed them, put them together, and just remind them what the you know what the limits are. Uh, not in an effort to uh, not make them mad at each other or to tell Ross Chastain you're being too aggressive or anything like that, but just to say, hey, look, you just got to know that there's a limit. You know, and we're going to leave it up to the drivers, but if you put us in a situation where we have to make a call, we're going to make it and you're not going to like it. NASCAR's got to make those determinations when to make those calls. It's very difficult. They like the drivers to handle it. I think it's best for the drivers to handle it. Uh, But a little friendly reminder from NASCAR wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, the the late, hey, you made your point was kind of, you thought that was pretty interesting, right? Mm, Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it, do, it doesn't even have to be a sit-down. It's just like, hey, remember what we're doing here yeah. and what's at stake. And, you know, everybody can get – well, you can't always get along, but everybody can make this work. But don't make don't put us in a position to make the call. So, Jeff, as we came on with you here, you and I know you have heard what Martin Truex has said, we both – we're two retired drivers. Um, once that gets into your mind um, – you're kind of getting close with that. Now, I realize, and we had James Small as crew chief on at the beginning of the show, and I was going to tell James, hey, like two victories in the next four weeks will help change that mind quickly. But <laughs> once you start thinking, uh, you're really getting close, in my opinion. Do you have a, a thought on Martin Truex and what we might see there? 
Well, I, you're right, DJ. Once you start thinking about it and talking about it, then yes, it, it is something that you have to deal with. Uh, I do like the fact, though, of what he's saying is that, hey, if I'm going to do this, I know to be successful, I've got to be willing to give 100%. And if I'm not going to give 100%, I'm not going to do it just to say I drive a race car. And we all know that we've seen drivers do that, uh, you know, and not even intentionally. As you get to the end of your career, you think you can just lean on your talent a little bit more. And it's, I think as you get toward the end of your career, you actually need to work harder. And, you know, I think that, I think that uh, Martin's saying, hey, I know I'm going to have to work incredibly hard. Am I willing, what am I willing to give up to be successful? That's the question, right? What am I willing to give up? And you get to the point in life where you say, you know what? I'm not willing to give up as much as I used to. And I think that was the, is what he's looking at. Um, and, and also, a lot of changes in the sport. You know, do I like this new car? Do I like the way we're racing today? Does it fit my – and, you know, I, he, he said publicly, hey, this isn't the money. This is not a decision about money. I'm fortunate enough to not have to make this decision about money. Do I want to do this? Do I 100% want to do this? Not 95, not 92, but 100%. And if he gets to that, then he'll do it. And I, I think you'll see 100% effort. Uh, but if he doesn't, he seems to me willing to say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to take a step back. It puts Gibbs in an interesting situation. That's, that's to me, yeah. really interesting. You know, they've said Ty Gibbs is going to Xfinity racing next year, right? End of story. But what do you do with him in 2024? So if, 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 if you get Kyle, assuming you get Kyle Busch signed and Martin Truex says, hey, I'm not going to drive, who do you put in that car knowing that Ty Gibbs is coming next year? So that puts Joe Gibbs racing in a very interesting situation. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Hey, before uh, we're out of time, I want to know what you thought. When we saw that green-white checker, we saw that battle between Logano and Kyle Busch. I have to assume that put a big smile on your face. Well, yes and no. Uh, DJ and I didn't grow up racing like this like if somebody just <laughs> overdrove the entry of the corner and slid up in front of me i think i'd knock the hell out of them because <laughs> we didn't do that i mean we didn't race like that and now it's just common i mean now i mean um christopher bell did it to eric jones in the xfinity race at atlanta many years ago and i'm like what was that and now we see it all the time and so, yes, part of me was smiling, but part of me is like, we're seeing a transition in this sport as far as how drivers have to pass each other. It's completely different than we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's a great point. Are you, are you ready to get back in the booth in Nashville? It's gonna be here before we know it. Yes, let's go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> racing's been fun. I, I'm, I'm really excited about getting back to it. It's been, just racing's just been great to watch. So much intensity, and uh, I don't see why that's gonna stop. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I feel I feel like we should all go get cowboy boots together, maybe hats. <laughs> we'll just do like a little team building. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Hey, Jeff, thanks for joining us. We can't wait to see you. Uh, when NASCAR returns to NBC Sunday, June 26th, Mayor, always a pleasure. Guys, we did it. We've had another great Motor Mouse. Big thanks to all yeah. the fans that called in. We love it. Can't get enough of you. Uh, you want to do it again next week? Great. Let's do it again. Yeah. I mean, I won't be here. I won't, you won't either, be here. But that, Nate, I'll be here. Nate will be, be here. here. Yeah, next this will be great. Yeah. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you next time. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.